Hey, Vikings fans, number 96, Brian Robinson is bringing NYC's cheesiest food stand to U.S. Bank Stadium. Visit Mack Truck Mac and Cheese on Minnesota Vikings game days for a new game time snack. We're watching history right now. And like we're interviewing and interacting with someone who is making NFL history. Those kind of moments for those teams, that bonding piece is when it gets weird. It gets so crazy because we haven't seen that on a year by year basis. Mm -hmm. And that's why this one feels different because you're finding weird ways to win and everybody's doing it for each other. And it feels like the locker room is just amazing. Happy holidays. We here at the Minnesota Vikings podcast hope that you and your family had a wonderful holiday season, that the Vikings win just made it that much more festive. I'm Tatum Everett alongside Jay Nelson. It's Gabe's birthday, so he has the day off. But in his place, you know her, you love her. It's Lindsay Young from Vikings.com. Lindsay, thanks for coming in. I know you were kind of planning on working a little more hybrid <laughs> away from here, but we appreciate you being in today. Absolutely. it was. It's always worth it to come in to be on the podcast. There you go. Out with you guys. We love it. We love a good podcast where we don't have to show our faces. <laughs> Lindsay is always a fun guest, and and I think the best part is, you know, knowing how the game went this weekend, there's plenty of good stuff to talk about. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Did you guys guys talk a lot about it at at your family celebration? You know, we didn't really. I think because I had such a, I had a really small Christmas gathering, and so, like, I had talked with my parents about the game the night of the game or the night after the game. Um, And so then yesterday at our little Christmas gathering, my sister and brother-in-law aren't the biggest of of football fans, and my grandma maybe said a thing or two about it, so That's I really nice. didn't talk that much football. Yeah, it was kind of nice. As as exciting as the game was, and as much as I obviously love the team and what we're doing right now, it was kind of nice to just not talk about it. And it's nice to shut your brain off from it for yeah, a while. Yeah, for, you know, we watched a few movies and ate Chinese food because that's, you know, we, we live in a dual religion household, mm-hmm. so we bo- we celebrate Hanukkah and Christmas. And so yesterday, with neither our families really being here because right. of the awkwardness of the Viking schedule, we celebrated both kind of all week because obviously Hanukkah was like the last day. But I think it's actually very strange that it doesn't – not strange. It was strange that the last night of Hanukkah lined up with Christmas Day, which right. I don't think happens very often. So it was kind of neat to like light all the candles and also open the presents. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah, it was fun. My family gathering turned into the, Uh-oh. why do we have to go through this again? <laughs> but I, I, I expect that at this point. Uh, yeah. You know, I always get the, the text and the phone calls, but it's it was one of those things that it's such a long day for us, you know, production wise and everything. And then you get to the point where it's like, oh, yeah, and then you have to go be on, you know, with family and little mm-hmm. kids and everything. And luckily they keep the energy up and there's plenty of food and stuff like that. So it was great nice. to be able to spend some time with family that night and, and just enjoy it. It's funny. My my parents are obviously like didn't grow up Vikings fans, but they like to call themselves pseudo Vikings fans now. They like love following this team. I think this season in particular, they're having a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. They don't get to watch it as much, though. Like, they're not able to get it. They don't have all the settings. And obviously down there, they get a lot of the NFC South games and whatnot. You know what you should tell them is to join the live chat <sighs> with Lindsay Young. Honestly, so- I don't even know if my family could figure that out. <laughs> not sure if they could. But they but they keep up with it on the on their apps okay. and stuff like that. They watch the score and they that's the same thing, Jay. They, like, FaceTime me in their, you know, on Christmas Eve and they're like, again? Man, you guys love to do this. Oh, for sure. I definitely had those conversations. It was just Christmas Eve and not Christmas Day. For sure. I think I saw, was it uh, KJ Osborne's family at a B-dubs? 
watching the final kick yeah, as a reaction video. So that was crazy too, just to see what people were doing Ugh. for that. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love, I mean, it's, it's been fun. I, I, I do have a good question for you guys. So I know after the game, Jordan Hicks was like, you guys are saying this is a miracle. These mm-hmm. are miracles that are happening, but we keep winning in this way. Mm-hmm. So when does it like, this isn't a miracle anymore. Maybe this is just what we do. Right. Yeah, I heard him saying that, too, and I thought he was making a good point. You know, I think his whole point is, like, this team has found a way to win over and over and over again, and I think you have to stop calling it luck. Like, (laughs) I think the team knows and would say, like, hey, we really wish that we would stop making mistakes early in the game that, like, prohibit us from pulling way ahead. But in the fourth quarter, like, they're finding ways to make things happen, and to win. So to me, I think it's more like, is this team perfect? Like, definitely not. And we've seen that. And there's been games that has been bad in one phase or another or all three in the first half of the Colts game. But then, like, they pull it all together. And I do think, too, like, chemistry on a team and in a locker room matters so much. And there were a few of us that were talking to Daniil Hunter at the end or after the game. And we were just kind of asking him about the camaraderie because Greg Joseph had made a point about we're all so close in this locker room, like special teams, offense, defense, there's not like a lot of clicks and what have you. And Daniil was like, I don't know, like I think we just have this really special bond that like somehow like makes us magically win sometimes. Like, and and I think his whole point is like they're just playing for each other and the belief that players have and like Pat Pete, like he's talked about it a lot, but I think other players, same thing. And so I feel like it's not fair to the guys to like keep calling it a miracle. Yeah. You know, it's not I fair to the effort. That yeah, no, in. for sure. It's, it's interesting because you, I think what it kind of boils down to is that because there's so much trust and belief in each other, no one is having those feelings of needing to overcompensate at their jobs. Correct. They're just going out and doing what they need to do. And they know that if they have a mental lapse or make an error, that someone will have their back. And that safety net could breed a lot of confidence. Well, and the difference with that, too, is the fact that it's not just leaning on one group to make it happen. Right. You're having special teams jump up. You're having defense jump up in games. You're having offense having to you know, hit a crucial drive in to make it work. And, and that's the thing, like... For me, it goes from being a a mirage to a trend when it's happened now 11 one-score games. Like, that is unheard of. It's it's completely unheard of to think about the way that at some point it's going to slip up and it just has not the season. And even think about the fact of what happened on Saturday with a 61-yard field goal, and he drilled that thing. Ah, It was amazing. Yeah, like— It was incredible. It could have been 63. Totally. Like, it definitely had enough distance. Um, I just pulled up a stat here that I saw somebody tweet yesterday because I thought it was really interesting— um, it was Dustin Baker, Vikings fan, but he does a lot of research and, yes, and finds a lot of stats and stuff. But I thought this was really interesting. So so he tweeted that in the Super Bowl era, teams that trail at the start of the fourth quarter win 16.7% of the time. The 2022 Vikings win 66.7% of the time when trailing at the start of the fourth quarter. And like that partially is what feels different too. Like when we were down a little bit the other day, I was like, well, third quarter is over. We're into the fourth quarter. Like we've got this. And like there's <laughs> yeah. just kind of this like belief that yeah. like a different switch turns on in the fourth quarter. Now, like I wish that also happened in the third quarter, but yeah. But that's the thing is the corresponding stat that I had that somebody had, had retweeted as well mm-hmm. was, in the first quarter for the entire season, first quarter we are minus 12, second quarter we are minus 13, third quarter we are minus 48 for point differential. 
in the fourth quarter, we are plus 72. Holy and, and over time, we are plus six because of the, the touchdown win. Right. That fourth quarter shows you no matter what happens throughout that game, when it comes down to crunch time and you need to have it, this team is finding a way to make that happen when it's not the blowout games. If it is a close game so far this season, this team, that is their MO. They're like, we got this no yeah. matter how it's going to happen, whether it's a block punt or it's a 61-yard field goal or something when we have to have a play interception along those lines, someone's going to step up and then offense, we're going to execute and we're going to make this happen. And that is a critical thing for teams that are going to make a run is that weird belief because a lot of times if if you have a team that's been just rolling all season and all of a sudden they get into a, a, a street fight, especially in the playoffs, and you have to have it. Teams that haven't been there before start to panic. Right. Teams that have have that ability to just focus and go. And I'm hoping that with this team, the trend that we've had so far continues for the next essentially six to eight <laughs> weeks. So right. that'd be great. I wow. mean, this team is scrappy. For mm-hmm. sure. Like, and I think that there's just so much to like about that. And I feel like this team feels special. And like, I won't make any predictions or whatever about the postseason because anything can happen. But like, Jay and I were here for the 2017 season and that team felt special. Like the chemistry on that team felt special. And to me, like, I'm not saying it's the exact same, but I feel a lot of those similarities as far as the bond with the team. There's there's a weird Ted Lasso feel to it where it's the believe part, right? And yeah. It's, and that's, I think the thing that's different with this team that I've noticed and, and when we've had some of those teams, especially if you you want to go back to 17 or even 09, the idea was there were certain key veterans who walked in the door and it just felt like we know what you have. We know what we are. Let's make this mesh. And then you have the leadership who's been there before from those veterans and you have the energy, the exuberance and and the will for the younger people that are the newer members. And it just feels like they talk about team chemistry. When that meshes, that is when you get special teams. I, I was talking with Cy about it at one point, too, saying if you remember in 17, that Philly team, you know, they're wearing the dog masks, they're throwing on a chain, they're mm-hmm. doing – and they would uh, – every celebration in the end zone was the entire team doing their thing. Right. Those kind of moments for those teams, that bonding piece is when it just – it gets weird. It gets so crazy because you might have – a Patriots team going against a scrappy Philly team, and then the Philly team pulls out the Philly special in the Super Bowl, and it's the going for broke, we don't care who you are, we're going to win this game. And that is where these kind of wins like this are, are exciting and fun for fans because you don't or we haven't seen that on a year-by-year basis, mm-hmm. and that's why this one feels different, different because you're finding weird ways to win and everybody's doing it for each for each other and it feels like the locker room is just amazing right now. Well, and I think you make a really excellent point too about the leadership and I'm going to shout out a couple or actually throw under the bus some fans <laughs> some fan sentiments right now that I've been getting just through through the live chat or, or through emails yeah, or Twitter or whatever. And I think it's just this general sentiment that there are fans who are incredibly excited about the young players that we have. And I get that. Like we should. Brian Asamoa, um, you know, like Lou before he got hurt. And there's just there's a lot of excitement around that. Um, but I've seen some people who are like making comments like Kendricks is washed up. Harrison Smith shouldn't be playing, shouldn't be starting anymore. Like. Pat, like someone was like telling me like Pat Pete like just isn't and I was like okay first of all you're just first of all, wrong do you have eyes yeah first of all <laughs> just you're <kidding>. just <laughs> wrong because all of these players are making incredible plays this yeah. season like time and time and time again um and so 
that kind of stands on its own. I think you're just wrong. But also, like, something has to be said for the leadership of these players. Like, has Patrick Peterson slowed down a little bit from the player he was, like, six years ago? Sure. But he also has an extreme amount of football intelligence that shows up. He's an extremely smart player. He's got the leadership. He's got the belief. So I'm going to take somebody who's maybe lost half a step every single time because look at the plays he's still making because of how much he knows about the game and the decisions that he can make on the field. And I think he's improved since last year. Like, oh, I think he fits this defense, this defensive system so well and is, and, and is is playing some of his best football in years, which I, again, that's why it boggles my mind. Like, sure, you could maybe say that a couple years back, but I feel like he's almost like reborn. Yeah, totally. And and the same thing with, with um, Kendricks or Harris. It's like these guys are having great games. Like, I think everybody on the defense has had an off game. This season. Yeah. But I mean, you're you're seeing Harrison come up with these clutch stops. Same with Kendricks, you know, and it might not always be in the form of an interception. And I think that's what fans maybe are looking for. But there's so many other things that they're doing to impact the game and give these guys shots at, at making the takeaways. I remember talking with a, a veteran former Viking player who had said, you know, the hardest part is as you get to the point where you fully understand the game that's when your body's breaking down, you know, as a, as a person mm-hmm. and eventually it gets to the point where you say mentally, I, I know exactly what I'm doing, but my body won't keep up. I do not feel like the veterans that we have on the field at this point are, are losing that step. And part no. of it is because they understand it so well, even if, like you said, if they lose half a step, the mental side of it, of recognition, you know, there's a, there's a, a phenomenon called chunking. And the idea is that you're chunking data so quickly to identify what's happening. Yeah. And Patrick Peterson has talked about it this season where he's actually baited quarterbacks into making throws, just, you know, playing coy and then jumping the route because he knows exactly what's coming. And I feel like right. that is the thing that you understand with, you know, Harrison Smith on the field as quote unquote, the field general being able to put people in the places that they need to be. Eric Kendricks recognizing when there's going to be, you know, a swing pass out on the flat and kind of breaking off of his uh, his assignment and, and, and engaging as quickly as he can. Patrick Peterson, right before the uh, the interception this past weekend, um, there was a, a route that he got beat on. And I saw him and somebody else from the Giants sideline barking at each other back and forth. And he said something, turns around, the very next play he turns around and makes the interception. So like He I, needs that juice, it that, feels yeah. like. But that's and that's <laughs> the thing is to me, when you have those kind of guys, like you're how many times have we talked and and looked at this defense and said, Well, it's Ben don't break. Mm-hmm. Those moments are the things like you're not getting those big breaks that's really killing this team. Right. It's more of think about uh red zone efficiency. You know, mm. we how many times like this week we were three of four on our side scoring in the red zone, and I think they were one of two. And so it's minimizing those moments and making sure that you're putting them in field goal uh, situations so that we turn around and have to score touchdowns. That's fine. You would rather do that than get beat for a long play mm-hmm. and constantly be playing it behind. And I feel like, like we've talked about, those veterans are the ones that can see that, can understand it, and can kind of put people in the right spots and let alone for themselves put them in the right spots to make those plays. And, and how many times have we seen it all season? All the turnovers, all of right. the, the pass breakups and just breaking on the ball when it needs to be. They're doing the right mm-hmm. thing for this defense. I mean, they're just disciplined. And that's right. what I think the biggest key is in this. And that's the it's whole huge. team, right? right? Because you think of like this team isn't very highly penalized. They're efficient in the red zone. They um, Well, like penalties this weekend, right? We had two. 
two as an entire team. Yes. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And 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 mm-hmm. when the turnover differential, there's just like all like the cornerstones. Right. It's the biggest thing because it's easy enough to have a player who can outrun the opponent every single time. Like that's not enough. You need the the intelligence on the field. You need those things like where Patrick Peterson or Harrison Smith can can bait the opposing quarterback into making a play that you know that you can intercept or or um, mess up. And I think that's just huge. And also just the mindset of these guys. I mean, you have Patrick Peterson wanting to play special teams, you know, and and Harrison Smith. Like I know some people were concerned if if he was hurt um, earlier in the in the game because they put Josh Mantellis in. He confirmed after the game he's not hurt. Um, coach is wanting to give him a couple extra breathers so that he's ready, you know, for the playoffs. And someone asked him, well, like, well, are you comfortable with that? And Harrison goes. I don't know if comfortable is the right word, but like I understand it. You know, he wants to be out there every play. Well, think about like even stats wise, you know, we're talking about the differential. We're, we were outgained by over 90 yards in the game total for total yards. Mm-hmm. They had 319 yards passing. They had 126 yards rushing, but they were one of two inside the red zone, which means we kept them out of the red zone as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Right. And then they had seven penalties and two ton- turnovers. We had two penalties and zero turnovers. Yeah. Time of possession was almost identical. So like all of the intangible mm-hmm. small things that you needed to have to, to keep that margin as close as it was and get us to the point where we could kick that field goal, that is where this team executed. And it, it, it has been a pattern all season. This is how we've operated. Speaking of kicking that field goal, I think I'll make a jump to our 3M play of the week. Uh, from the field to the roof and everywhere in between, 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings, is here. Visit vikings.com backslash science to learn more. Now, if you remember last week, Greg Joseph's game-winning field goal was our play of the week. There were obviously a lot of great plays that set it all up. And so this week, I'm going to say the 61-yarder is the honorable mention, even though it's a history maker. And it, it kind of hurts my heart to do that. But I I feel like there was so much history in this game that it has to be circled around the record-breaking performance of Justin Jefferson. The Giants tying the game up with 59 seconds left. The kick set up by that 17-yard screen pass from Cousins to J.J. on third down. No matter if he's in double coverage, triple coverage, if you can't see him in between his guys, Kirk can, and he threads the needle every (laughs) single time. It's incredible. Incredible. So here is our 3M play of the week. Now it's third and 13 from the Vikings 40. Pete, do you think the Giants come with one of those big blitzes again? <laughs> they're bringing everybody at the line of scrimmage, Paul. So, yeah, they're not going to let Cousins to sit back there and, and survey this defense. Cook to the left of Kirk. Out of the shotgun. Here's the big blitz. Pass right to J.J. Turns it up to the 45. Gets to the 50. Oh. First down to the 44-yard line. we got to hurry. We have no timeouts. 12, 11, 10, 9, 16-yard gain. 5, 4. Cousins kills the clock. So we're looking at a 61-yard field goal try or thereabouts for Greg Joseph, whose career long is 56. On that final drive, two third down catches for 33 yards from J.J. to put Greg Joseph in that position. I mean, time and time again, this man (laughs) continues to make catches that are just Mind-boggling. I mean, I think there was one week, I don't know if it was here on the podcast where I was just talking to someone and I was like, I mean, he only had 98 yards this week. And I right. was like, why did I say that? What? <laughs> but that just goes to show like the expectation. Right. Because and of who he is. Because he just does it every single week, like you said. And I feel like there's this thing where we all know how good he is. And yet every single week, there's a play where you're like, 
oh my gosh, did he just like, he just caught that. (laughs) And sometimes I feel like too, there's this feeling where I'm like, we're watching history right now. And like, we're interviewing and, and interacting with someone who is making NFL history. And sometimes it feels kind of funny, I think, just because Justin is this really nice guy and like, he's a team first guy and he's obviously very confident, but he's humble too. And so it's so fun to see somebody like this succeed. I just love, oh, sorry. I love that he says, I'm going to be the best receiver. I'm not going to have a sophomore slump because I think for so many, like the media is such a tricky game to play and there are a lot of guys that will get burned by it and by what they say, but he has the confidence to say it and he has the talent obviously and the smarts and the ability to back it up. And to me, that is like, the, a media person's dream. Well, yeah, that's the total package, right? Yeah. Right. And, and that was the thing. Like, as dominant as he has been with within this team, the casualness is the part that that always jumps out to me. It was the expectations, like you said, he raised the bar. Like the expectations for him is if he has under 125 yards in a game, there's something wrong. Yeah. And and it's which is crazy <laughs> to think insane. about. Insane. And 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 you know he he's had a hundred yard games at half and we're just like yeah and 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 I guess that's the you're taking this for granted and and I've said it a couple of weeks ago too just kind of saying like we have to recognize like this guy is working on greatness and the way you know it's greatness is because it's so casual mm-hmm. and I felt that way back when when Adrian was dominating running for his MVP year um, but for him it felt effortless. And if he didn't have 150 yards rushing, it felt like there was something wrong. And then he'd hit 200 and you're like, yeah, okay. Those are the moments that you really started to realize this is different. This is completely different. And with Justin, you're seeing as these records keep falling and there are things that we have basically held almost like to mythic standards with Randy Moss and Chris Carter and and the guys that we've had on this team, JJ doing it in this fashion is really fun to watch. And I think this is the kind of stuff that um, young kids right now who are really gravitating towards JJ with all the jersey sales and the the uh, football cards and everything that they want. This is something that as they get older in the next 20, 30 years past, they're going to be able to say, it was prime time for me and this is what cemented my Vikings fandom at this point oh. as Justin Jefferson's what he's doing right now. He's, totally. he's making nationwide Vikings fans who have never followed the Vikings before. Correct. In- international. I yeah, mean, and international, and yes. The, the crazy thing on my end is like I have – I have a family member, a kid who is, you know, went to the the Packers side because of Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and the success that they've had. But the one person that they talk about is Justin Jefferson. Yeah. And it's he is the cool factor across mm-hmm. the league, let alone this team. I mean, for God's sakes, you're seeing gritty uh, comments <laughs> and mentions in commercials now. Um, the World Cup. Everything. Yeah. Literally everywhere. And mm-hmm. so that that just shows you how much this is transcending his play on the field and the attitude and just kind of who he is and what he's done is just kind of oozing throughout society. And when you hit pop culture like that, it's it's mm-hmm. awesome to watch. Another thing, I think when you brought up the fan line or the fan chat, I was thinking about this, too, because I noticed on Twitter a couple of people saying, oh, well, 17 game season slate shouldn't count as far as like him breaking Moss's record for the record so far he's at 15 he's at 15 and Moss did it in 16 so right. I I don't understand that argument first and foremost and I think that argument comes up more with the Calvin Johnson piece right that that's the thing like they're looking at it right now well sure yeah but guess what there used to be a 14 game season and then it went to 16 and now it's yeah. going to like those, right. those records eventually are going to yes. be broken correct 
And like, I get what they're saying. Like, yeah, it's not it's not apples to apples. But to Jay's point, it's like, yeah, there it used to be fourteen games and it's six. Like, there's just no other way to do it. But if you're going to argue right now about the records that JJ has already broken in less time than Randy had, like, <laughs> yeah. yes, this is a seventeen game season, right? But like, he's breaking these records in weeks thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Right. So to me, that argument doesn't hold up. No, not at all. And he only needs 209 yards to break Calvin Johnson's league record of 1,964 in a single season. And he already broke Chris Carter's single season receptions record for the Vikings. Randy Moss's single season receiving yards for the Vikings. I know it's not a triple crown of receiving. And I know we've talked about this a little bit ahead of show before we got on here. And it's been kind of the talk of the town recently. But... MVP case for JJ. I mean, in your opinion, Lindsay, does he need to be considered? Absolutely. Like, I just don't know how you don't have him in consideration. And I know what we talked about, you know, offline, and it'll come up again here, too, is that it's usually a quarterback. Um, you know, it's Boring. usually a team. Sorry. <laughs> it's usually, I feel like, a team that, that goes far into the yeah. playoffs, and we're not there yet. But, like, the things that Justin Jefferson has done this season – are incredible. And if you're not including him in the conversation, then I honestly, like, if you're just wedging it into it has to be a quarterback every year, then honestly, let's change the name of the award because, like, we need to broaden what we're talking about. Yeah, there's that. I think that was another thing I, I heard recently was maybe instead of MVP, it should be called, there should be a quarterback award. And then you keep the offensive award yeah. for like the skill positions. Then you keep, you know, the defensive award for defensive players. And not just, this is not an MVP, it's just a quarterback award. Right. And be done with it. But, you know, that's not going to happen this season. And and I know there are a lot of people who think maybe, oh, well, if anyone should have gotten it, it should have been Cooper Cup last year. And maybe rightfully so, with the triple crown in receiving. Yes. I mean, I would I would agree with that. Yeah. And and the fact that we're not including guys like Cooper or Justin like in the conversation. I think that's silly. I I absolutely think that could, could have should have won the MVP because of what he did. Well, and who's who's okay? Who's a lead? Do we, is there a leader right now? I know it's like what Mahomes, Allen, Hurts. So you have yeah. You're, well, Jalen Hurts. Um, so at least before during the season, mm-hmm. the list was Patrick Mahomes was leading it. Jalen Hurts was number two. Josh Allen was number three, and then kind of the the bubble people at that point were Tyreek Hill and Justin Jefferson. And Mm -hmm. so Justin now knocking off these records the way that he has. And here's the thing to remember, this voting ends up happening by the end of the regular season. Like playoff stuff goes out the window. So whenever somebody blows up in the the playoffs and they're like, why weren't they the MVP because of what they did during this playoff run? Those voting portions of it and the timeline for it is the end of the regular season. So if you really think about it right now, like I understand those quarterbacks being in that conversation, but what's going to happen now that Jalen Hurts set out a game and you know, know. and they lost? So like, it's weird how they can have such a crazy consistent season, get to the end of the year, maybe take a rest or maybe get hurt and be out a game or two. But I, I, I think it's undeniable right now that as far as what he means to this team and, and the impact that he's having on our games, how can you not have him in at minimum the top five, if not the top three, as part of that consideration in my mind, because I mean, I understand Patrick Mahomes is a guy that drives that team, but man, they have done the right thing in loading up with weapons. Philadelphia Eagles loaded up with weapons right. this offseason. And not saying that he's not a big, valuable part of this team. For sure. But I think if you take Jefferson out of the game for the Vikings, I don't think this team is necessarily 12 and 3. I think I think they still could be very effective. Like they still could have a double right. digit wins, but I don't think they're 12 and 3. 
he's just such a huge part of our game plan. And, and you know, coach came into the season saying we're going to kind of use him in that Cooper Cup role. Mm-hmm. And he's really dove into that head first. But I, I just, yeah, you know what defenses are I doing mean, right now. You have to double and triple cover him. And he still catches it. And he's still catching it. And on top of that, <laughs> then you're seeing K.J. Osborne having career days. Yeah, right. You have T.J. Hawkinson have a career day mm-hmm. on Saturday. And so you're seeing the impact that he has on it. And, and I think, honestly, other players and coaches are recognizing that. This is year three. It's not just a season. Mm-hmm. This is who he is. And let's be honest, a lot of these polls and these records are, are popularity contests. Yeah, and so right, it just right. feels like if you can back it up and have the cachet and everyone feels that way, um, I, I don't think there's an argument that can be made that he should not be at least in the top three consideration. And even your point about the game growing internationally and th- the popularity of this sport and kind of writing that side of things. Why not for, for JJ? JJ could be right now. One of the, is one of the biggest faces Mm -hmm. of the NFL could be the biggest. I mean, we've seen Mahomes win it. We've Josh Allen, very much deserving Jalen hurts, very much deserving. But like, I almost feel like if you kind of make the switch a little bit, it does elevate the brand internationally. Right. And I'm to me, we're biased, it should be between JJ and and, um, and Jalen. And no, I no. was going to say Josh Allen. Josh like, Allen. I feel like he's a little bit more. Uh, and again, not criticizing Jalen Hurts either. I just think if you're talking like it factor. Yeah. And I mean, like, I will be the first one to admit that when we were down 33-0 to the Colts, I'm getting paranoid, right, about about injuries and stuff like that. And I'm going, you got to just take JJ out of the game. Had you done that, had you taken JJ out of the game, like you don't come back and have a start no. comeback. You just don't. Yeah. And so the difference that he makes for this team is undeniable. Yeah. I mean, I died on this hill a long time ago, JJ for MVP. And <laughs> I'll little, join you there now. Little did I know my, my expectations would be met this season and surpassed. And um, I'm obviously a homer for multiple reasons for him. So I always just have his back and I just think it would be the coolest uh, so we'll see. We shall see. We shall see. I, I do hope, though. And, and I, I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he I think he'll definitely get to the a huge opportunity to break Calvin Johnson's record. Two hundred nine mm-hmm. yards, as we were talking about with JJ, is easily <laughs> done in two games. Um, but I'm I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm hoping for a massive performance in Lambeau. I know it's gonna be a little bit on the not warmer, like warmer than expected side of things. So maybe they'll throw the ball just a tad bit more, and maybe he could hit the two hundred yard mark because he did have one hundred and fifty eight yards in the first half against them in Week One. Right. I think the biggest thing pushing against him is that our final two games are outdoors. Yeah. But it is supposed to be like thirty six degrees or something in Lambeau, which is that's a warm legitimately front. a heat wave right now. <laughs> I went outside. I'm so excited for that. <laughs> it was five degrees this morning. And I uh. took my dog out without a coat on. Like, wh- oh, this wait. is how you know your blood oh, is you, thickening. Like, up. Oh, like by choice. Yeah, by because you I was were like, warm. Yeah. Oh, and it's like, I just I was thought only, maybe you were. Just- <laughs> I was only out there for like five minutes. I'm not crazy, but I'm saying it's been so terrible. I'm like 36. We're golden. Oh man. Yeah. No. I. I don't. I don't do that. No. Mm-mm. <laughs> But I am excited about 33. I might not need to bring my big jacket. Yeah. I think the best part about the the game with Lambeau is knowing that we have a golden opportunity as an organization to prevent them from making it to the postseason. I wish you could see Jay's face <sighs> right now as he says that. He had like the biggest smirk. smirk. I was gonna I was gonna say something that I probably can't say on the radio, like uh-huh. just a absolute Grinch smirk on his face, like I can't You're wait a to mean make one, Mr. Grinch. <laughs> 
No, that's, sorry. That would, I just I, your face just was everything. Yeah, my my heart would grow three sizes if uh, we can <laughs> knock out the Packers this weekend. But um, it, you know, the idea of it too is for all those years, for all the times that we get to this point in the season, and and you want to make it special, you want to punch your ticket, you want to be able to control your own destiny. And how many times have we over the years had it where? Packers were leading the division. We needed to win to get in. And we, we understand what that feeling is. Yeah, right. And the thing is, for the Packers, they they don't typically have to have it be this way. But you know with, you know, number 12 back there, that team is going to give us everything that they have, especially at home. And so you're going into a hostile environment in the cold at Lambeau Field. It's going to be electric. And for me, I'm I'm hoping that it's it's something where not only can you control it, but I would love to see it dominate and, you know, going watching the game um, with against Miami, they show the stats as far as how they're being beat on defense and they're giving their 29th in rushing and second in passing. So that means yeah. you're you're going to get you have their, to run. So, so that's the thing is passing wise. If you're going to make those work, you're going to have to make it count because they have been stout this year. Mm-hmm. But 29th in defensive and, and, and rushing, uh, at least going or during the game yesterday. That's something that I'm going, man, the fact you've seen Delvin do what he's done these last two games and you see just how much this offensive line has really clicked and they've been getting people. And here's the thing. It doesn't even have to be the running game. Right. It can be the screen game because we've been killing people Mm -hmm. the last two games in the screen game. So that is why the smirk hit my face the way it did is because (laughs) things have lined up perfectly just to have one of those games where going into the playoffs being like we finally – can we know we're in, but this is a reason to really, um, you know, focus this week and, and to stick it to one of your biggest rivals. Right. Speaking of, uh, I think it opened up as a four point favorites in the Packers favor. Yeah. So I mean, what, they usually give you like three points for home field or something. Yeah. So. For the I think most I saw part. it's three, three and a half. Is it three and a half it, now? Yeah, okay. Well, I Sorry. Some. I saw it yesterday. It was four and a half. No, so it was, must have switched. Yeah. I've seen four. I've seen three and oh, a half. Have? Just okay. kind of depends. So either way, once again, a, a double-digit yep. win team is walking in the door yep. as a three- to four-point underdog. And, um, you know, the last time it was Detroit, and, and they got us at the end. But with this one, Green Bay, I just I, 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 I feel this one that this is going to be even closer than four points. Yeah, I mean, the Packers are one game behind the Commanders, who are the seventh seed in the NFC right now in the wild card race. Packers will need to win out, and the Commanders lose once. And they're in. The Commanders have the Browns and the Cowboys to finish out the season. So that Cowboys one looms large that you Very would Very large. Right. Well, that looms large for so many reasons. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Unless, you know, unless the Cowboys get to that point where they're locked in and they rest their starters. Right. That's you know, one I, thing. But yeah. still, that that to me is that one that you're going, for sure, that's the one that they're looking at as, as juicy for the, the Packers. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess the Cowboys would rest their starters if the Eagles clinch the NFC East. But the big the big deal for the Cowboys though is just to make sure that you know they maintain that five seed. Right. So that's the thing. It kind of just depends how all the dominoes fall. And Next week will be very very. It's going to be pivotal. huge. I was really bummed for multiple reasons that the Packers won um, yesterday, but I was selfishly hoping that our game would be flexed out of the three twenty five spot. You wanted and put to go at, at night. No, oh, I wanted noon. to go at noon. So did I. Yeah, it definitely, I definitely, I don't think would have gotten late, but I wanted to go at noon. And I feel like there was a chance of that happening had the, the Packers, Packers lost. lost. Yeah. yeah. For sure. I know. I was like, please don't make it a late night game. But the one thing but that, the noon would have been nice. But yeah. the one thing that will do for us, though, is Philly plays at noon. 
So we'll. So un- you'll know ahead of you'll time. You'll know ahead of time what, True. what the deal is. No, and I was really hopeful that there's like a glimmer of hope that you know. Look, I hate when players are injured. I don't want you know. I don't want. I don't want Jalen Hurts not to play. But the fact that he's not in the game, I'm like, oh well, maybe that it could give Philly a little bit of a hiccup. And yeah. then here come the Vikings, number one seed potentially, right? Well, they already got but the they play the, the Saints next week, guys. And I'm yeah. like, there. How do you? Oh, there's no way. The Saints and then pulled the off Giants. the last okay, minute. Okay, don't win tell this me week, they're on though. a two-game win streak. Blah blah blah. <laughs> they're a garbage team, and Philly has so many weapons; they should be just fine. I mean, they have they to should. play the Saints and then the Giants. Like, I just think the chances of them losing out are minuscule. Minuscule. You're right. But so I'm not getting my thing, hopes up. Weirder things have happened. <laughs> That's like true. a 33 point comeback. <laughs> so listen. I am not giving up belief not giving, in anything okay, okay. this season. I like it. I like it. That would be great. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of interesting the way things have really shaken out. And, and really all eyes are on the NFC East, the NFC North, and then the pesky Seahawks right now because they're kind of making the North and the East a little bit, or the North and the little bit sad, I guess, at that point because they're kind of hanging in there because the Seahawks do hold the tiebreaker against the Lions. If the Lions, they still have a chance as well. So it's going to be an interesting uh, wild card chase here down the stretch. Yeah, wild card chase plus the NFC South chase because you know the Bucks have a one game lead over the Panthers and Saints, who are tied for second and third, with all three of them a chance to win the division in the next two weeks. Right, and probably be the one of the worst teams with the worst records ever led in the playoffs. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think, and I think the last time we really saw something like that wasn't that the uh, Beastquake game. When the oh, Saints, yes, it, yeah. yes, it was. But yes, that, it but was. That's the point is mm-hmm. like you have one of those teams where yep. everyone's like, oh, dead and buried, not even going to be a factor. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, come and then Marshawn Lynch drags your whole entire team into the end zone. That is correct. <laughs> it is a one and done yep. format. And that's what makes the NFL playoffs so ridiculously. So exciting. ridiculously exciting. And so we all really are watching for that big game on Sunday. It's nice to return to a Sunday schedule. I know the week for us feels a little bit normal because all of your regularly scheduled content will come out on its correct day. <laughs> and as a person of order and routine, I love that. <laughs> Same. Yeah. yeah, I do. Although I still think I'm going to be confused about what day it is after back-to-back fair. Saturday games. That's fair. I, I'm just completely turned around. My, well, pers- my personality is abstract random, so I'll take whatever I can get Of course here. it yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> of course it is. Concre- yeah. Concrete, sequential, concrete, sequential, and abstract random. Yeah, we're good. There we go. Yeah. That's what, you know, everyone has that their strengths. so much. Correct. Everyone has their strengths. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> well, Lindsay, what do, you, do you have any work, anything special for us this week that you're working on? Well, I definitely will put in a shameless plug for the offensive line story that already came out, um, but I would love if people check that out. Um, Tatum and I have been talking about it for a long time and it finally um, came out this past week. Check it out. It's about the offensive line um, and their room tradition of having the rookies uh, decorate their classroom. It's pretty fun. There's a lot of silliness. Um, There's some pretty cool meaning to that as well and carrying on a legacy that was started by Coach Sperano who passed away in 2018. So lots of good stuff in there. Definitely recommend that you check that out. Yes. Um, It was so well written, well researched. The stories in there were so good. I mean, you went all the way back. 
I to really, the very beginning. And I was just, I sat there and I was like, I learned so much reading it. So if you got lost in the Christmas shuffle of content, make sure you go check out that article because I think it's something really special. And, and I, I think also it was neat to hear them talk about how the other players get involved, like walking through and how it means for them to have this yeah. set up for the building as a whole. And it's those kinds of things that we are privy to on the inside that not people on the, like, you know, outsiders don't necessarily get to see. Exactly. And it was, I think it was awesome. It. Great job. Sarah. Thank you. Of course. Did you like it, Jay? Yeah, it was awesome. I, I <laughs> no, legitimately, I think that tradition is something that yeah. we hold on to here in the For office, sure. is because you're always curious to see year to year who does what. I think this year they've completely blown it yeah, out I'm of the water. I'm kind of worried about what's going to happen next. Like, is it going to take over the whole hallway or like, I mean, we're going to have like have a real graveyard one year? Yeah. <laughs> they have set the bar so high. Yeah. And, you know, like I've been trying to do this story for like five years <laughs> and th- this is the year that kind of finally got the blessing. But when all is said and done, like this was the perfect year to do it. Yes. Um, it's the perfect team to do it with. Um, playing really well. It just was really, really fun. And we give the O-line a hard time because they do everything by committee and they don't like to be very public and out there. But it was really fun to work with Brian and Garrett on this and and make sure that it was something that they're proud of too. That's the thing I think, you know, as O-linemen, the attitude has always been as a group, no individualism. And for this to, this is like one of the individualistic things because the individuals that are the rookies that have to do it mm-hmm. have to represent the entire room to make it work. So, mm-hmm. like I said, certain years, they're, you know, it looks a certain way. And then other years, it just gets completely blown out like it has this year. And it's always fun in my end just to be able to all of a sudden realize it's the day after holiday. What's coming next? So right. it's, it's great. It's a lot of fun. Do you yeah. think they're going to get fined for <laughs> like, do you think the whole group can find themselves. I mean, for, they'd have to find Brian because he was the main right. spokespiece in the in the article. For and I, sure. And isn't he like the commissioner of fines? He can probably un yeah, he can probably make fines. Where does the fine money go? Probably shouldn't ask that question. I think it's charity. Yeah. It <laughs> oh, is good. Charity. Good. I oh, I like yeah. charity. Okay. I like that. But that's that. the thing. That's why guys like try to hand them touchdowns to spike because they know that yes. they're going to get in trouble for yeah. it. But here's the thing. It depends on what kind of commissioner he is, right? If, yeah. he's, if he's a good commissioner, then they'll have leniency. And if not, then they're going to go after him as much as possible. So totally. Be funny. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I know he was very hesitant at first, but I'm really, really glad that he came yeah. around and, and that we got to see that because I do think timing is everything. And this was a really, really, really good piece that you did, Lindsay. Really well done. Thank you, guys. Of course. And Jay, do we have, we have another tailgate, right? Yeah, we do. So it's looking like the final week of the season, we're going to end up doing some sort of a playoff preview. So this will be the end of the regular season when it comes to it. And we're going to bookend it with our very first guest from week one, which is Tim Harmston. Nice. So it was kind of great because it was leading into the, you know, what are your predictions and talking about how great Alan Lazard's going to be this year. And we'll see what kind (laughs) of a, see what kind of a player Christian Watson's going to turn into. And then now that you've had the entire season play out the way it is and just as big as this game is going to be this weekend, it'll be fantastic to have Tim back on the show. So, yeah, Tim Harmston should be on here with the Packers. And then uh, next nice. week will be the playoff preview for for the show. So tune All in right. Thursday night, 6.30 p.m. on KFAN. That's right. Awesome. The Audible will be at 6 o'clock right before that. And the guests are TVD right now, as well as the game day live guest. You know, the players have the day off. We're giving them a day to relax after Christmas. And so... We will have all of that back on its normal schedule and have those names for you soon. We're still trying to cook up the best pair, best duo that we can get together for the Audible. It's going to be good, though. Oh, it's always good. Yeah. I mean, even last week with Shannon Sullivan and Duke Shelley, I mean, two guys that are brand new to the team. And, uh-huh. you know, no one probably really hears too, too much from them, especially from Duke, who's really come on in the last couple of weeks. Right. And they're both from like an hour away from each other. 
at their hometown. Duke Shelley jersey at the no game way. on I wonder, Christmas Eve. That's amazing. Might have been a family member so like maybe or a family, girlfriend. Yeah. I don't know, but I love that it was there. It's awesome. I mean, each one of these guys is extremely special to this group, and and it's nice to always sit down and talk to them. Yeah, one on one. Um, so check out the Audible this week as well. X's and O's with Kevin O'Connell comes back tomorrow. Um, I don't know when that drops, but that gets that gets filmed tomorrow. So we'll have all that ready for you. So um, one big thank you to Lindsay Young for joining us today. Thank you guys. Yeah, Jay for being here as well. Yep, Appreciate it. Go. Holding down the fort here the day after Christmas. So. Hope you guys had a wonderful holiday season and MVP will return on Friday. Until then, you guys check out Vikings.com or download the Vikings app for the latest from your Minnesota Vikings. Lifetime, the official athletic country club of the Minnesota Vikings, has something for every member of your family. Get your family going today at lifetime.life forward slash kids.